the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, it is a delight to welcome back to the studio. Thank you um, for coming back safely. Thank God for your safe uh, return to the mid-bar, the other mid-bar, uh, the Galus. Uh, Rabbi Pinchas Salush, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E, he by at uh, Congregation Beth Tefillah, known as CBT. It's based on... It's uh, headquartered on Shea Boulevard. All are welcome, religious uh, or not, uh, observant or not, Jewish or not. Um, and he is also the host of the Rabbi Alush podcast on Apple Podcasts. Again, A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. And whenever he's in town, we try to have him uh, in studio with us. We missed you last week, Rabbi, um, but tell us where you were. Well, I missed you too, and it's a pleasure being back. Thank you, Seth. I was in Israel. My wife and I traveled because we received uh, notice that my son, who's been serving now in the Israeli army and specifically in Gaza for the past 75 days, was going to get a small break after 75 days of battle, which he did. And uh, we were just delighted to be reunited with him. We spent the Sabbath with him last week before... We uh, drove him back to his base, and now he's back in Gaza fighting the good fight. I want to talk about that and pick up on that uh, for those who like to keep them in their mind and, minds and in their hearts and in their prayers. His name is Israel Mordechai Chaim, uh, son of Esther. That's right. Thank and you. Um, anyone who wants to see pictures of that trip or read your quite beautiful open letter to him, you've posted it on your Facebook page, which can be found at Rabbi Alush on Facebook. I'm going to return to it because I'm going to uh, relate it to sure. the Parsha of the week, the portion of the Bible that um, Rabbi Elush will be reading out loud in synagogue tomorrow, as every uh, Jewish congregation across the world will be doing. It uh, For those who want to look at it, it uh, begins roughly in Genesis 47, and it's uh, titled Vayahi. Vayahi. That's right. Which means, and he lived, which is interesting because it's also about a very prominent death, Mm -hmm. uh, the death of uh, the passing of Jacob, and yet they title it, And He Lived. Interesting paradox. We'll return to that. Uh, In your newsletter this morning, you tell a story about a um, well-known Jewish man of finance, prominent in the uh, 19th century, Moses Montefiore, and you quote him as relevant here, as saying it's not how much a person possesses, but how much he is willing to give and to share that determines his real worth. Not what he owns, but what he gives and shares that determines his worth. Would you like to say a few things about that and what brought that to mind? Right. Yeah, I mean, it it uh, really comes from a very poignant story about Moses Montefiore. He was a uh, one of the wealthiest people of his generation, like you said, in the 19th century, and a big philanthropist. And one day someone asked him, so Moses, how much are you worth? 
And Moses named the sum. And the man responded, whoa, I thought you were worth so much more. The papers are saying that you're worth billions. Something like 40,000 something or other. <laughs> right. is what he said. Yeah. yeah. Right. And he responded, well, you didn't ask me how much money I have in my bank account. You asked me how much I'm worth. And a person's worth is only measured by what he or she gives. I've given this much thus far, and therefore I named that sum. That's my true worth. And it's very much connected, I believe, to this week's portion, as you stated, because Jacob does die in this portion, but his worth up until today is not measured by his possessions. Even though he was quite wealthy, it's not measured by the stuff that he accumulated in life. It's rather measured by what he gave, what he created for future generations, and uh, by the fruits that we are reaping until this very day that he himself planted. That is his true worth. And therefore, going back to the paradox that you mentioned before, this week's portion is not called and he died, but rather and he lived. Because true life, true worth is measured by the impact that you have, by how much you give. Jacob gave so much, and he therefore is still very much alive with us today. And also through his progeny, through what he give, gave and what he taught, through what he gave through his heart and what he gave through through his DNA as well. I mean, physically, right? That's Giving right. us the family that he gave us. Absolutely. I would, I would put it this way, just like you said, through his biological, biological children, children and his spiritual Very children. Very nicely put. Biological and spiritual children. We're going to return to that, too. I want to depart for a moment because when I read that quote, it put me in mind of something I discovered about a year ago. I, I, I had had this, I think, wrong. Uh, there's a famous book and movie, The Wizard of Oz. You may be familiar with yes. it, of course. And there's a very famous scene in the movie where uh, the Tin Man, who's searching for a heart, goes to this wizard who ends up being a uh, con artist, so to speak, and um, asks the wizard for the heart. And the wizard says something that's always um, – it's a, it's a very pregnant dialogue. But one of the things the wizard says is, a heart is not judged by how much you love but by how much you are loved by others. And for years and years and years, I misinterpreted that, I think, because I was reading it wrongly or thinking it was how much you are loved by others, how many others. I was thinking it was quantity. How, your heart is judged by how many people uh, love you. And, and, and it dawned on me, rereading it several times, I think it could include quantity, how many, but really it's about quality, how much love you are given by others, how much love. And it could be one person. If one person loves you adoringly and with all their heart, with all their soul, as we are told, with all our heart, with all our soul to love God, it's about quality, not quantity of yes. life as well as love. <laughs> yeah, well well put. Uh, you know, and I think that it goes to the very definition of love. Because true love is love of the highest quality. Fake love is love of the lowest quality. The difference between fake love and true love, I would say, is how much ego is involved. Mm -hmm. When, you know, they say that in every I love you, there's an I. Mm -hmm. But the smaller the I, the greater the love. Mm -hmm. The bigger the I, the smaller the love. Mm -hmm. If I love just because it makes me feel good mm -hmm. or because of what I receive from this love, then my love is really not a love. The I is very big and therefore and the love is very small. you can apply this to charity too and <laughs> generosity. Right. And the, right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. To any type right. of giving. Right. But if I love because I really care about you, it has nothing to do with me. 
I may love and not receive anything in return. As parents sometimes love their children, yeah. they don't receive much in return, especially you know as they are growing. Right. Any parent of a teenager knows that. A lot that. of giving. <laughs> not a lot of taking. Yeah. That's right. But that's true love. Yeah. And how much love, as you uh, just mentioned, I think is dependent on how much ego or how little ego. Yeah, I like that. Now. That's an interesting distinction, too, about quantity and quality and ego. I, Fred Rogers, a children's Mr. Rogers neighborhood, he gave a famous speech where he said fame is a four-letter word. And it seems like it's perhaps the distinction also between fame and importance. People can have lots of followers. We could name any number of people that TMZ or the People magazine or Us magazine or, you know, the Hollywood types promote. They may not – they may be well-known. They may not be important. Yes. Fame that, and importance. That's right. You know, it's interesting. I just had a meeting uh, about two weeks ago with a brilliant, brilliant young 20-year-old man in town who I believe is like the next Elon Musk. He's, he's just brilliant on so many levels. He sold a company already. He's already working on a billion-dollar company. But I told him exactly that. Look, you'll have a lot of people now being drawn to you for all sorts of selfish yeah. reasons. Yeah, yeah. Just don't fall into the, and, and, uh, don't fall into this illusion of love. Mm. Make sure that you still surround yourself with people who truly care about you, mm-hmm. love you because they love you, not for no for any other reason. And like this, you'll also be balanced. You'll be anchored, and you'll also recognize love or true love from fake love. I want to return on that point to the illusion of love. That's an interesting that's an interesting angle. And I want to talk when we come back on the other side of this break about that and how Jacob prepared for his death so meticulously. You write about this in your newsletter this morning as well. Again, Rabbi Pinchas Salush is my guest. His first name is P-I-N-C-H-A-S. His last name is A-L-L-O-U-C-H-E. I spell it just so you can follow him on on social media, whether it's his podcast on Apple Podcasts, the Rabbi Alush podcast, or on Facebook. If you want to read a um, read a beautiful open letter he wrote to his son, he posted it on December twenty first. The Rabbi and I'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leipson Show. Rabbi Pinchas Alush of Congregation Beth Tefillah in Scottsdale is my guest. We're talking about this week's uh, portion found in Genesis 47, really to the end of Genesis, I guess, right? It takes us to the end of the, That's right, the first— That's right, to the very, very end. To the very end of the very first book in the, um, in the Bible or in the Torah. We were talking about the illusion of love, uh, somewhat tangentially, but, but maybe not, uh, because we're talking about quality, not quantity. The illusion of love, do you, find, do you find relationships that suffer because one party is under or suffering from the illusion of love, or maybe both even? Yes, very often yeah, both. Yeah. There's this illusion of love when really all there is is selfishness yeah. or um, self-love. Yeah. And uh, that creates this illusion, oh, the other loves me, but he really doesn't love me. Yeah. He loves what I provide for him. Yeah. He loves the benefits he gets from me, so he doesn't really love me. Yeah. There's this illusion here that I thought was love, but if I dig deeper into it, it's not. And unfortunately, there are many relationships that um, suffer from that. Ego-based, right? Ego-based, absolutely. And dare I add, I think that there are also many worshipers Mm -hmm. that suffer from that. We love God because of what God gives to me. 
but there should be a relationship there also that has a very strong selfless component. Otherwise, it's just about me. Yeah, I th- I, I think I'm not onto something awful when I think of maybe think of it as charity in the way that Moses Montefiore put it. Love should be about what you give and the quality, not the quantity and um, and not what you get in return. That's right. That's right. Uh, that should and it'll speak for itself. It'll sing for itself. It'll operate for itself. It'll manifest itself. A- absolutely. Maybe this is also why there is a term, and I think I've mentioned this on on the show before, but there's a term in English that I never quite understood. If I had the power, I would eradicate it from the English language. And this term, and we hear it all the time, but uh, we hear this term called giving back. Yeah, right. And it's always bothered me yeah. because do we really have to wait to receive right. in order to give? Yeah. Can't we just give right. and give right. without waiting to receive? Why does it have to be giving back? Why can't it just be Giving, right. simply giving. You know that's so interesting because it all because it has another implication to it, which is perhaps maybe as or more undervalued in certain circumstances than giving, which is the importance of receiving. Being able to receive is just as important as well. As in fact, as I'm saying that out loud and thinking with you, Rabbi, um, the celebration of the giving of the Torah to the Jews is not um, the Jews receiving the Torah. It's it being given to them because they were supposedly never fully in reception of it. There's a little bit of a dig there that they never quite received it. That's right. They didn't receive properly. There is a proper way of receiving, it seems to me, too. That's right. But these are two separate worlds, right? The world of receiving and the world of giving. One should not depend on the other. Yeah. So, yes, you're right. I have to know how to receive. Mm -hmm. It's important to know how to receive. I think... It's important on many, many levels yep. to receive love, for example, even to receive compliments. It's important. Mm-hmm. But my giving should not be dependent on that. That's right. Imagine I were to tell you, Seth, I'll only come to the radio show if you give me so much love mm-hmm. or give me this number Glad of compliments. Glad you ended the sentence with love. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Go on. Go on. No. What would... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're right. So I would... <laughs> I mean, it would it would really diminish me and uh, my my contribution altogether. I mean, why why should my giving again be dependent on my receiving? Thank Not you. only that, if it is dependent on my receiving, then if you think about this, I, mean, I don't want to over philosophize here. But then my giving is really not yep. a giving. That's correct. That's correct. It's just a, it's a transaction. Oh, exactly. It's a transaction. Exactly. Piece exactly. of paper. Well said. So Jacob prepares his death meticulously. And we are told Jacob drew his feet upon the bed, excuse me, Jacob drew his feet into the bed, expired, and was gathered unto his people. You highlight this in mm-hmm. your uh, newsletter. And you ask, but what does it mean that he was gathered unto his people? Why can't the verse state the obvious, that Jacob simply died, or that at least he passed away? So again, this phrase, he was gathered unto his people. You want to talk about why it says that? Yes, it's interesting because it's a phrase that the Bible repeats. Mm -hmm. It repeated it uh, afterwards with King David. Mm It doesn't say that he died. Sarah doesn't say that she died. It uh, uses this phrase that they were gathered unto their people. And I think that what the Bible is really teaching us here is that when righteous people die, they don't really die. They don't end up in the ground. Where do they end up? Unto people. That's where they are gathered, unto the people that they touched, unto the people that they impacted and influenced positively. 
That's where they end up. And that's really what makes them righteous. Jacob touched so many people, including his biological children, but as we mentioned before, his spiritual children too. And that's where he gathered unto. He didn't just die and disappear. He is in them. He is in us. We're still talking and about that's him. That's right, until this very day. Yeah. That's, we've discussed before, such an important thing to keep in mind, too, I suppose, about the way you live life, the way you give, the way you are loved, this quality business that we're talking about as opposed to quantity, that that is another way of how you live on. You live on through other people's memories of your goodnesses, others' memories of your charity, others' memories of your love, right? That's that's what we're talking about Absolutely. here. Absolutely. How do you want to be remembered? And I... And, and, you know, I don't know if people remember the past, uh, those who have passed. I don't know if they remember them for their negatives more than their positives. I just don't know. Someone's probably written this up or we could probably figure it out. But clearly those who are living a meaningful life want to be remembered for one and not the other. That's right. You know, it's interesting because if you go to Israel today, you'll see that there are multiple names to cemeteries. Yeah. One name is Beit Kvarot, which means the house of burial. That's where we bury people. But there's a greater name, and that is Beit Almin, which means the house of eternity. Mm. And that's because the righteous indeed live eternally, as we are explaining. But the greatest of names is where cemeteries are called Beit HaChaim, which means the house life. of life, yeah. because they really never die. Yeah. They always are impacting, always giving, and we're always learning from the shining model. That's a life that goes on and on and on to eternity. Um, do, you, do, you, do you have a TV on in your house much? I, you, I, unfortunately, I keep a TV on in the studio and just because I have to watch for breaking news, et cetera. Sure. And I, I don't want you looking at it because I saw what happened at the last break that yes. we were going into. Yeah. Um, so please don't. Uh, I'm going to bring up enough emotion in the next segment with you mm. because I just found a transition between what you said in your open letter to your son. Okay. Um, Rabbi Pinchas Alush is our guest, Congregation Beth Tefillah, CBT colloquially known, on Shea Boulevard. Observant or not, all are welcome. Jewish or not, all are welcome. They don't uh, missionize or evangelize, but they do open their house for anyone who wants to learn more from the rabbi or the congregation. And uh, their biggest probably, uh, the big, the most important service is probably the Saturday morning service. That's correct. The Sabbath, yeah. the Shabbos service, which starts at what time? At 9.30. Most people come at 10.30, but as you mentioned, all are welcome. All are welcome. And they have little interesting breaks in the service, too. <laughs> That's right. He and I will be right back. The rabbi and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is my penultimate guest of the year. My penultimate hour of the year, um, and it is a delight to be doing it with Rabbi Pinchas Salush. We usually do him in the last hour, but this time of year, because of the earlier setting of the sun, uh, we have him in our second hour. Okay, maybe in our very last short segment, I'll ask you to say a word on the New Year's for the community that commemorates the New Year. Sure, sure, with pleasure. But let me take some privilege here and try and relate something you wrote on your Facebook page regarding the open letter to your son who is serving in Gaza to the portion of the week. You write of your son's, uh, he wrote a missive to you just as he first commenced going into Gaza a little over two months ago. And he wrote you not to worry, that all will be good. And then he wrote these chilling words, I typed them out. 
But remember, no matter what happens to me, I will always be there with you. And I read that a few times, Rabbi, and I thought, how very Jacob, or should I say how very Israel, in what you were just talking about, what Jacob was saying as he passed away. Um, We've witnessed your emotions here, and uh, I want to thank you on behalf of the audience for sharing them with us in the community. Truly, um, this is all our war, Uh, Jews or not, because... It's a war for civilization, and we'd all like to think we're civil and part of civilization. Um, We're all part of mankind. This is a fight for mankind. And um, I want to thank you for sharing your personal personal connection with it to us, uh, to it with us. It's meant a lot to us. Um, I know it's probably hard for you, but I just want to thank you for it. Thank you. Thank you, Seth. It is hard. I mean, it's it's very emotional, but... You know, you made the parallel, which is a very accurate one, because... He he was saying what you were just saying about what Jacob was saying. Yes, and Jacob's name was also changed to Israel, which is his name. And thank you to all who are praying for him, too. Israel, Israel. And Israel also means that he has wrestled with men, yet he has uh, become victorious, which is exactly what he's doing right now. And that Israel lives on and on and on, and uh, therefore his words really take on a whole other uh, depth yeah. of meaning. I thought I thought they were apropos to this Parsha. I really did. Remember, right. no matter what happens to me, I will always be there with you. He yeah. will be gathered unto his people no matter what. That's right. No and matter what. I will tell you, he also, so we had, as mentioned, we had the privilege of being with him. He, it was hard for him to adjust. <laughs> he had just come out of a war zone to being there for 75 he's days. He's 20. And now he's 20. And we came to pick him up at the army base just for 48 hours, to be with him for 48 hours, and you could notice that it, it, it took a toll on him. Yeah. He matured by 20 years, yeah. and he's looking around, and he's saying, wow, all of a sudden, there aren't the buildings that are melting next to me. Yeah. And, but um, he re- reiterated that message mm. that I don't want you to worry, and I say that also uh, to your listeners and to all who are praying for him. We should not worry. He does not want us to worry. But rather, he wants us to give him strength as as much as he gives us strength. Uh, I'm not sure if you've read this report in the New York Times this morning that describes the activities of October 7th in a way that no one has described them heretofore. But anyone who doubts, and this is perhaps the one time a year I will say I urge you to read the New York Times, anyone who doubts that this is a war for civilization, I encourage to take a moment and um, read that article. It's the only article I can think of I've ever read that will leave images with you you will never forget. Mm -hmm. But to think that, as much as it would affect any individual reading it, to be a 20-year-old and Mm -hmm. seeing it and being right there is just a whole other level that we cannot comprehend. That's right. And look, uh, to emphasize exactly what you said... (laughs) I'll share with your listeners one of the anecdotes, one of the many anecdotes that he shared with us this past weekend. But my son is a sniper in the paratrooper unit, and he's told me that not once, not twice, but many, many times, he had the decision to make whether to shoot at a terrorist or not. (coughs) When that terrorist was using a baby as a human shield on his way to planting a bomb for the Israeli soldiers to be injured and 
uh, God forbid, to be killed. And many times he could not shoot. He could not kill that terrorist because of that baby that uh, was being used as a human shield. Well, the New York Times won't print that. No. But I do want people to read what they did print today. Rabbi Aleutian, I'll be right back. I so want to get mad at young David, my producer, but I can't do it in front of you when he makes these kinds of aberrant selections of music. Do you know how hard it is to even find songs that mention the new year? Uh, How about how hard it is to find songs that annoy me? That's easy. Yeah, evidently. You should ask for the rabbi to be here more because I'm. this is me being restrained. <laughs> rabbi Pinchas Solution is my guest. L-O-U-C-H-E. He can be a peacemaker. I'm enjoying this more than the song. Okay. Well, I'm glad someone is. I wish I were. On this portion of the week, And He Lived, via he, Genesis 47-ish to the end, I... um. I was looking up, I hope it's okay with you, the commentary of someone I've always liked, um, Abraham Tversky. Interesting scholar. Died a few years ago, just Mm -hmm. recently. That's right. I I think a a physician and a a psychiatrist and and an an ordained ordained rabbi. That's right. He writes up big on addiction, right? That was his big thing, treatment. That's right. Yeah, that was his expertise. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Rabbi Tversky uh, writes this. Jacob, if if I can run it by you, Jacob called for his sons and said, quote, assemble yourselves, gather yourselves, and listen, O sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father, close quote. This is what their father spoke to them, and he blessed them, each according to his appropriate blessing. Rabbi Tversky writes, Dr. Tversky writes, the Talmud says that the only vessel that can contain blessings is shalom, peace. The only vessel that can contain a blessing is peace. So prior to giving him his blessings, Jacob twice indicated the importance of togetherness, assemble and gather, for fragmentation and divisiveness can undo even the greatest of blessings. I often say that that, and I, I think I'm right, but I, don't, I'm, I might not be, or I might be right among others, that one of the most important things God wants from us is easy, one of the easiest things to say and one of the hardest things to do, get along with one another, right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, the parable that's given by the Talmudic sages is a bucket. If a bucket is cracked, no matter how much you fill it with and what you fill it with, uh, it, the, the content will, will leak, but if the, con- if the bucket is wholesome, it is together, all the pieces are well glued together, then uh, the blessing can be received. Same with people. If we are together, if we are united, then we can receive blessings and we can truly be uh, uh, vessels uh, that carry blessings. But if we are cracked, if we are divided, and no matter how many blessings God may give us, they'll leak. Yes, you were speaking of this, I think, in reciting a psalm of David's. Was it 133? Um, how wonderful it is when men are, or when a community is gathered, men are gathered together in unity. Hine matov, right? That's correct. Yeah, hine matov, my name. How pleasant it is. Yeah, how pleasant. So good it is. and pleasant yeah. it is uh, to have brothers and sisters well yeah. together. Right. But I think there's there's a very powerful message here, and that is that. Unity is a blessing that brings on blessings. Um, It is maybe, therefore, the foundational blessing. If there is no unity, and this is also true for individuals, 
There's, if I am not united with myself, if I'm a broken vessel, I could be receiving all the blessings in the world, but I won't be able to contain them, and therefore I still feel miserable. Yeah. So in order to receive blessings, I first have to have that foundational blessing yeah. of wholesomeness, of unity, of togetherness, as you mentioned. Well, on that, if I can pick up from uh, where Rabbi Torsky took it from there, right on that point, he said, is, it is significant that in blessing his children, Jacob referred to both his names, Jacob and Israel. Jacob was referred, referred to as both his names. Jacob. He was named Jacob, Yaakov, because when he was born, he held on to the heel of Esau. The name Jacob thus represents the person at birth, the genetic endowments, and the potential. The name Israel, as you were saying earlier about your son, the name Israel was given to him after he wrestled with an angel and triumphed, meaning you have striven with the divine and with the man and have overcome and with man and overcome. Israel, the name Israel therefore represents Jacob's achievements, he says, his ability to be master over both human and superhuman forces. I thought that was powerful. That's very powerful. Absolutely. You know, there is in every human being, there are two facets. Maybe this is also why the Hebrew word for face in Hebrew is in the plural tense, panim. Uh There is no word for one face Uh. because we Uh. all have Uh. two facets. One facet is the human being, and the other one is the human doing. Unfortunately, we've become experts at human doings. Uh We try and achieve all the time, but the human being gets lost in that rat race. And Jacob reminds us really to just be. Jacob is not a man who goes out and conquers the world, who fights angels, who, does, uh, who launches wars. He's a man that focuses on his family. He goes inwards, and he builds everything within. Mm-hmm. Then, when that Jacob is wholesome, as we said, when that bucket is, 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 is glued together, then it can become an Israel, and then it can start achieving things. Because when the human be- being is wholesome— the human doing will also be wholesome and bring about many, many blessings. Well put. Thank you for that. I, I never thought of that. Face is always in the plural. There's right. a lot more we will uncover next year uh, together on that very point. Uh, Jacob's blessings aren't particularly monumental. You know, they're not you'll inherit rainbows and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and paths of gold. He's describing his children's characteristics isn't he? That's what Rabbi Tversky kind of seized on. And he said, this is an important teaching for parents. I've been focusing on parents and youth all week, Rabbi, and mm. this is why this sang to me a little bit. For sometimes parents foist their own thoughts on their children when what the better thing to do is, perhaps this is the rabbi psychiatrist Tversky talking, is to see what the child's characteristics are and nurture them where they are. That's how he drew that message out. In other words, quit foisting your adult concerns and using children as as your playthings, but rather look at them for who and what they are and nurture that and build off that. That, That's beautiful, and that that would be a great good resolution for the new year for all parents. Instead of giving medals and awards for what our children achieve, for their grades, for their athletic achievements, even for their looks, let's give them awards and medals for their kindness, for their goodness, for their love, for their real human and godly characteristics. I'm going to pick up on that with you uh, when we come right back. We have a little bit more time, just a couple more minutes for a short segment to end the year on, and we'll we'll focus on that. Rabbi Rabbi Pinchas Alush is my guest. We'll be right back.
Well, welcome back, and uh, thank you. Uh, the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals and uh, your trusted source for everything else having to do with uh, the soul and the mind is Rabbi Pinchas Alush. He's been my my guest this hour. Uh, many people on Sunday night will be looking towards the new year. Um, odd thing, feel free to say whatever you want. I've just noticed since about 2020 – uh, which was one of the worst years so many of us went through for so many reasons, COVID, et cetera, et cetera, um, that people were saying they couldn't wait until the new year. They couldn't wait for 2021. And then, you know, an interesting thing happened in December of 2021. People were saying how lousy that was. They couldn't wait till 2022. <laughs> you know, 22, same thing. Maybe a little less this year. Maybe not. I don't know. A lot of people are looking for fresh starts, Rabbi. Any message you have is welcome. Yes, uh, the message I would give is that people were looking for a better year in 2021, and then it didn't come, and then looking for a better year, like you said, in 2022, and so on and so forth, is perhaps because we are too glued to hope. We hope there'll be a better year. We hope that things will turn for the better. But we don't understand very often that hope alone is not enough. Hope must come with action. Hope must come with good resolutions. Hope must come with deeds that are consistent, not just during the spur of the moment, not just during the highs of the new day in the new year, but really it must be translated into our everyday action. And that's what I would tell people, that yes, we are all uh, elevated to some good mood and some level of hope when the new year hits, but it could very quickly dissipate if we don't take upon ourselves some good resolutions to make a difference each and every day and to create consistency with our good deeds so that eventually that change can truly happen. I like that thought about resolutions. So many people talk about resolutions as physical or visible things and then obviously let themselves or others down when they don't achieve them, whether it's losing a certain amount of weight or not eating a certain amount of this or that or the other or drinking this, that, the other, what have you. And then they fail and then collapse on it. Whereas if you make the resolution about your internal self um, and perhaps your own behavior and your own thoughts, uh, your own sentiments and your own actions towards others, um, that's not a permanent arrest or failure if you fall short because you can fix it in 30 seconds. <laughs> Seems to me. Seems to me those would be better resolutions and probably more meaningful to the rest of the world rather than to take us back to the very beginning, something about yourself, not I, but other. That's very well said. And I would just quote, you know, what someone once said, that the difference between a lofty dream and a change reality is a plan. So as people celebrate the new year, let's have a plan, a realistic, veritable plan of good deeds that are consistent that can eventually change this reality. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 